0: I think we are working too hard to really realize that, that we are part of history, right? Of course, everybody is always part of history, but sometimes I think, well, four or five years from now, we will really look back like, whoa, how did we do it?
1: That's Hanneke Schutemacher, a scientist from the Netherlands. Around the world, scientists like her are working around the clock to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. Schuttemacher is the global head of viral vaccine discovery and translational medicine at Jensen Pharmaceutica, a research company under Johnson & Johnson. She's built a career delving into some of the world's most deadly viruses. You name it, HIV, Ebola, Zika. And now, she is leading a team to take on COVID-19. She's not just keenly aware of the pressures of the job, but also of the need for more diversity in the field. So today, I asked her, what does it feel like working on something that could save the world? I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's Chief Medical Correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Let me just start off by asking, how are you? How is your life? Are you getting any sleep?
0: I was going to say Life. <laughs> Yeah, I do get sleep, but that's the almost the only thing that I do for myself these days.
1: You are an HIV AIDS researcher before this, right? And so for, what, 40 years now, we've obviously been waiting for a vaccine. By no means is that a criticism, but how do you stay motivated?
0: Indeed, I have a long career in, in uh, HIV and we learned that nobody has spontaneously recovered from HIV. It, it is a completely different virus. It integrates into your DNA and you never get rid of it. And And so a vaccine for HIV needs to do almost the impossible. It needs to prevent truly infection, whereas it is possible to recover from COVID-19. And so with the vaccine, you sort of help the immune system and you help the person to be prepared and to do that more rapidly. That is, I think, why we have more hopes that a COVID-19 vaccine works. And that is also what keeps me motivated.
1: It it, it is interesting. We're we're dealing with something in the United States right now, and I'm just curious to get your take on it. So everyone's waiting for some of the data to come back on these various trials. And the idea is that if the early data shows some efficacy... Uh, there may be some authorization to use the vaccine in certain populations people who may be considered higher risk when, when i when i think about this sort of more philosophically the reason we've we've authorized things on, as emergency use is because there is no alternative it's very hard for me to wrap my head around emergency authorization for a vaccine and and like you said that's not to minimize the role of vaccine But the alternative would be that we continue to wear masks, we continue to physically distance and essentially stop the transmission of the virus or at least slow it down. Wouldn't that make more sense to wait for the data to really be fully analyzed, to make sure a few months have passed, to make sure there's no unusual side effects that emerge before starting to give it to tens or even hundreds of thousands of people?
0: Yeah, I see your point, but I want to link it back to the experience in the HIV field, because if everybody had used condoms and had been aware of of the transmission risk, then also HIV would not have turned out in this terrible pandemic. And so even when there are measures available, it, it is clear that Humans are not very good at compliant behavior, right? I do agree with you that uh, the vaccines that we will roll out, that we need to know as much as possible and that we need to balance where we would use it. Because I think there are several regions in the world now where there seems to be a relative control by the measures that are in place, right? The hygiene, the social distancing, the... Wearing of masks, and I'm I'm living in the Netherlands, and we are very liberal here. We we don't wear masks, so so and it's still so going nice. quite well. But there are other areas in the world where, where social distancing etc. is much more difficult, and we should not underestimate what COVID nineteen can cause, not only on the personal level but also on the healthcare system and and on the economy.
1: I'm curious, just uh, when you when you look at all these various uh, vaccine platforms and candidates that are out there. Is this sort of seen as a competition?
0: Well, we are keeping a close eye on, on what they are doing and, and how fast they go and how they approach it. I always make the comparison with young mothers who have new babies that, oh, mine can do this and mine can do that. But when they're three, <laughs> they all speak, walk, eat and uh, write. So then it is also with these vaccines. So you take different routes to get to that approval or or EUA.
1: There's been no secret there's a lot of pressure on our vaccine makers and on the Food and Drug Administration to roll out a vaccine as quickly as possible in this country. And it feels like a pressure cooker for a lot of the people who are working on this. How about for you?
0: No, I I do not feel pressure that we would be asked to do things that we would not feel comfortable with. So really the the safety of our product and whether we truly think that our vaccine would have the potential to be uh, protective, those are the questions that we get time to address. And I I do think we need to trust the FDA, for instance, because in, in the conversations that we have with them, they really bring the same rigor as what they always do. And I am truly impressed with the the quality responses that we get back and the proactive and collaborative attitude that they express.
1: If there is a vaccine that is authorized this fall, maybe even October, November, would would you take it?
0: Well, if there was enough, I would take it. But I think that the supplies will be limited and I think other people should get protection first. I mean, I can do my job from my home office and I know that other people, for instance, in healthcare have a much bigger risk of getting infected. So I think it's it's only fair to give them the first opportunity.
1: And again, this is uh, t- tough to predict. It's a crystal ball question. But when do you think uh, for the general public, not just uh, healthcare workers or essential workers, when do you think it'll be available?
0: Well, I don't have a, a crystal ball, but of course it's it's all depending on it. So first we need to see efficacy. We need to see the safety. If that all goes well, I think Q2 is most likely first vaccines for general public.
1: I want to switch gears a little bit, and I'll preface by saying that uh, my mom is an Indian immigrant to the United States, and she's an engineer. I know your father is an electrical engineer. My mom was a mechanical engineer. She was the first woman ever hired as a automotive engineer uh, at the Ford Motor Company. And this is back in the mid-60s. And it was shocking at the time. As you look at this, this COVID pandemic, there was a study that came out of the University of Oxford said that only 34% of papers being published about COVID-19 are being published by women. When you hear that, what does it make you think?
0: Yeah, it's a sad reality, I think female leadership has so much added value and not only based on on gender, but to have enough diversity to, because I see that when you work with diverse teams, we really experience that that makes a big difference because people bring different opinions, look in different ways at things. And it's such a joy to work with these millennials that have such a different way of looking at their lives and what they want to achieve. And I think with that I have good hopes that that will also change how leadership will be defined and who in the end will, for for scientific work, then publish uh, the papers and call the shots.
1: You're obviously in charge of a team, but do you think that there are still significant barriers for women to be able to do this kind of work?
0: Well, I think it it has to do with the attitude of, of women. They approach it differently, but also the attitude of men that they think it can only be done in one way. I think that that is still a bit disappointing, that the closer you get to the top, that you end up with only men.
1: And oftentimes, the the it seems like the position is, yes, uh, we recognize uh, that we should have more women, we should have more people of color. But I think what I've been struck by is the idea that it is truly beneficial to do so. It's not something that you just do because you're asked to do it. That if you do have a diversity of opinions because of your background, your race, your gender, your age, whatever it may be, that the final product ends up being a better product as a result. Yeah,
0: I realized at a certain point when when young females came to me and asked me to be their role model, uh, that at a certain point I realized that I was not a good role model because to have an influence and to keep my position at that top level... I had started to behave like a man because that was the only way to influence because if I were doing it on my female qualities, I I was ending up with coffee with the assistants. But it is a reality. Then the guys do their business together and then you are out. So you have to be one of the guys to be part of it. And I think we can only overcome that if we allow much more women, but also people of color and, and, and people who are now minorities at the top.
1: Do, do you think that female scientists pay a price with their careers for, for raising children? My mom, when she, when she had me, she tells a story that she was basically told once she started showing that she, she didn't need to come back after she had the baby. Did you ever run into that? Again, you have three sons. What was that like?
0: No, so I don't think my career suffered from my kids, but I do think my kids got, suffered from my career because I I was so ambitious. And now looking back, I think, well, maybe that did not make me the best mom, although my kids deny that, but they don't know what a good mom is, right? They just have me. So <laughs> that's my luck. But also from the workplace where I was at the time, I got a big bouquet of flowers delivered when I was with maternity leave from my second son. And I thought that that had to do with the new arrival, right? But when I looked at the card, it was to congratulate me with my promotion because then I had become head of the department. So some work environments do really support female leadership and female careers.
1: Do your sons, I'm sure they know about the work that you do, but do you have continuous conversations with them about it?
0: I think they vaguely know, and I have these television performances in the Netherlands where I tell about the progress of our work and they don't even know right so, so people then say I saw your mom on tv oh were you on tv <laughs> so it's it's really funny I'm sort of proud of that that they are not constantly aware of what I'm trying to do because on the other end I'm just a human being and this is this is my job right and 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 we all try to contribute and do our best. So, so I think it's also quite healthy to stay a bit normal about it.
1: You've worked on so many projects over your life. Does this feel like a, a career-defining moment for you?
0: I, I think we are working too hard to really realize that, that we are part of history, right? And when I'm not focused, I'm, I'm just watching something stupid on Netflix to, to really empty my mind. Maybe when we look back, but I I have a bad memory for successes. I really enjoy uh, a lot in the moment. I enjoy working with the team, whether it will be important that that is then something for others to judge uh, later on.
1: You know I have to say, in anticipation of this interview, I you know I read all about you and 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 again looked at your your career. And I wasn't sure what to expect. And here you are. I can see you, our listeners cannot, but you're smiling. You're not some hardened scientist who's cynical. Is there a lesson in there for for you know other scientists or people who are thinking about this sort of work?
0: Of course, now I, I look very nice and kind, and but I can be a pit bull as well. Sometimes you have to be and and sometimes you have to take tough decisions and and I can do that too, but you need to realize every evening that you are still just a human being and enjoy life because this is all history soon and what will you remember is the, the weekends that you went away with your family or that you had a good walk with your dog, right? You will not remember that you were sitting seven days, uh, 24-7, uh, in your home office to get work done.
1: What a pleasure. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you.
1: Ultimately, if and when we do get a COVID-19 vaccine, it would be thanks to the hard work of scientists like Hanukkah Schutemacher. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at CNN.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.